Round one, fight. Heroes never die. I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite store on the Citadel. <laughs> I used to be an adventurer like you. Then I took an arrow in the knee. Power, sex, sex, power. They both come down to one thing. Hungry Gamers. Hello, 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 and welcome, boys and girls, to the 186th episode of the Hungry Gamers podcast. We are powered by 8bit.net and those sexy legends at Audio Technica. More on those guys and girls later. I am your extremely humble host, Brendan White. You can find me just about everywhere at Brendan8bit. And joining me today, my usual partner in crime, coming to me all the way from the US of A, Miss Ali Hart. You can find her at Miss Ali Hart. How you doing this Saturday morning slash Friday afternoon over on the West Coast, Best Coast? I'm feeling good. How about you? I am um, a little bit fluey, to be honest. And um, with the, the heightened sense of panic around the world, I'm very <laughs> hesitant to say that to people. So probably not the smartest that I air that across a podcast that beams globally. So uh, yeah, I'm okay. okay. <laughs> they can't get infected through there. Yeah. Yeah. No Corona. Um, hopefully. Touch wood. You know, I don't have all the symptoms that seem to be the norm. No fevers mm-hmm. and things like that. I've just had... A little bit of a sort of, a uh, little bit of a cough the last little while, but one of the guys at work who's who's had that, um, I think I got it from him, or I don't know, maybe from Archer's school or something. But I'm all right. But if it gets worse, I'm going straight to the doc because uh, we are not mucking around with this Corona situation at the moment. It is, it is something out there. It is. It's quite terrifying. But like, I agree with you. Like, heaven forbid that you have just a normal symptom. I like. I remember because it's still really cold. We had actually a time zone change, but it's still pretty cold at nighttime. And I walked outside and the cold air hit me. So I started coughing as you normally do. And then it's just eyes on me. And I'm like, uh, it's just a temperature thing, like cold air. It may, sometimes it makes you cough. Sometimes it makes you sneeze. I ain't it is the worst trust me like when you you're living the hermit life like i'm already essentially quarantined anyway self-quarantined so i ain't catching shit yeah i had um my first direct work experience on thursday i met with a couple of customers for the first time and went to their office and obviously naturally you know you say you get a's and you're going for a handshake as you do mm. and there was this hesitancy where they sort of looked at my hand and sort of like half went out and like it was just this weird sort of pause for a second. So I'm like, oh, you know, given given the current situation, g'day, let's 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 scrap the handshakes for now, just for peace of mind. And yeah, it's just little things like that that you don't even think about. But now mm-hmm. every interaction, every touch, every exchange, every cough, every yeah, someone sneezes over to the right of you at a cafe, you're like, oh shit, Corona, fuck, <laughs> check please, let's get out of here. Like it's bonkers at the moment. It's, it's, yeah, it's all over the place. It's all over the news. It's just like, it, I think it's more concerning because I don't think I've ever been around for a certain like pandemic like this where things are getting closed and people have to work from home. I don't think I've ever witnessed this before. Yeah, this is, this is completely, completely new, I think, for our direct lifetimes. Like, obviously, we've Ooh. had the, the bird flu and um, things like that, but nothing that's impacted the world over like Mm. i think some of these pandemics have been just like isolated to specific regions or countries or whatever it might be 
but this thing has just taken hold of everything and um we'll talk more about it later in the pod but yeah, it's it's a crazy time out there at the moment. It's a very yeah. crazy time. So uh, mm-hmm. it's great for us gamers and hermits and people that like staying home. <laughs> that's for sure because you can work through those piles of shame and and do more do more at home and what have you. But yeah, mm. it is it's something. Just just be careful. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So um, in in your sort of uh, week of isolation, trying to uh, self isolate <laughs> and and avoid the the virus, what have you been doing? Mm. I decided to give Call of Duty Warzone a go. Oh yeah, um, yeah. I've like a lot of people on like my Twitter feed, um, on my Twitch feed. Like a lot of them are getting into it. So, I mean, it's free. So there is absolutely no money lost on it and time wasted. So I thought, whatever, I'll jump in and see if I like it. And I really like it. <laughs> oh. I really, really nice. like it. Okay. Before we get into the meat and potatoes, mm. what do you really, really like? Oh, I guess that is kind of meat and potatoes, isn't it? So you really like it. What You're playing mm. on PC. I'm playing on It's PC. still got the cross-platform support with Warzone, mm-hmm. I'm assuming. Yeah, nice. It does. Nice, which is great. Yeah. I had some uh, PlayStation buddies, not actually my friends, just some random people on PlayStation also jump on my team. So, But they're um, your friends now. Because uh, you're friends through war. I don't know, actually. I wouldn't actually call them a friend, but I'll elaborate later why. Okay. Um, but in regards to why it's really sitting well with me, is it just feels good and smooth and just like very fluid. It has a lot of new elements that we really haven't seen in a battle royale. So um, it keeps it fresh, keeps it new. I'll go into like pretty much detail on like kind of what makes it different. Um essentially one of the key features is that they have this um i I think they call it a buy station so Mm -hmm. as you're picking up loot through the map you also pick up like just piles of cash and money and then once you gather that up you can go to these little buy stations and they're marked on the map and in these buy stations you can buy equipment you can buy new loadouts and you can also buy um like you can also buy a squad member like to come back so like if someone in your team has died then, you know, you can go to one of these buy stations and if you've got enough money on you, you can bring your team member back. And this is why that PlayStation person isn't a friend because I can see how much money you had. You could have brought me back, but you decided not to. And what you got a your cheap ass to bastard. You, so. See, that's karma. That's it karma, is karma right there. It is karma because I was the only one that had kills in our team. And even at the end of that person's, you know, they got to top top 20. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was still the only person on our team that got the kills. So, anywho, but um, that specific buy station option really is like it's really useful, especially if like you run out of ammo or you want to switch out a gun or you want to get um, like you know how in like Call of Duty you can usually call in like like airstrikes or you know yep yep big, yeah. <clears throat> got so your kill streaks you, and stuff exactly right. So you can you know, put money towards getting one of them done. And I saw a bunch of them. It's not like it's like super rare. So I had to like dodge a few helicopters, a few planes. So um, I think it's a really good element to keep you on your toes, but it's not so invasive where you feel like someone has the upper hand. It doesn't actually feel like that specific. Yeah. Um, yep. So that in itself is just pretty damn refreshing. The um the other thing is, is that um, say if you do die, 
and your friend doesn't have money to revive you or bring you back, they actually send you to um, this thing called Gulag. Oh, the Gulag, yeah. Yeah. And so what happens is, is you load in there and it's like a prisoner, like you're a prisoner and they're another prisoner and you have to like fight to the death and if you win you get to go back into the battle royale i love that there's just this weird (laughs) 1v1 backyard like death match thing going on within the game it's great it's like alcatraz it's like gross stone walls and like most of the settings it looks like you're in like a bathroom or locker kind of area that's been run down but there's a little flag in the center so you can either hold that position or just kill the other player I've only been successful once. For some reason, I suck at gulag. How ma- how many gulags have you have you part taken? I think I've been a part of like seven now. Okay, one out so, of seven is not too bad. Yeah, I I just think it's the close quarters kind of element of surprise. Yeah, so it sort of I'm lends not... itself to like a shotgun player or something like that. Something yeah, something but... with damage at at, dis- at close range. Yeah, but I think just some people are just a bit better at paying attention to like maybe footsteps or sounds. So yeah, I gotta get got to get better on my gulag. How how have you found it with the map? Like 150 players on this thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Up to 150 players that you can have on it. Um, I've run a few teams with randoms and I've run by myself. The map is extensive, but I wouldn't necessarily say it restricts the combat. Like. In a lot of cases, especially from the start where everyone's going to their different locations, there was never a moment where I never found anyone. Like, okay. unless you're sp- like, that's how you play a battle royale. If you're one of those people that just tries to avoid people yeah, until the very end. Just sneak their way to the final zone. Exactly. You know, the option's there for you. But if you're actively, you can actively seek out fights. You know, there's markers on the map whenever there's action happening. Um you know, the gas that comes in that restricts the zone that I feel like that has happened at very appropriate times. I don't feel Mm -hmm. like it's ever really delayed so much. And in regards to just how the map is situated, like there's a lot of great areas for obviously close combat, a lot of buildings for like scavenging and getting items and equipment. And then you also have areas where you can be absolutely screwed where it's just empty, like just empty roads or an app empty like um like an empty canal is another area so you know i think it has a good fair share of areas like that you'd be used to where you either completely covered or you're absolutely exposed so yeah environmentally wise it's really good it handles great um there are like there are a few kind of like controls that i had to get used to like there was um the option to mount your gun it's essentially like holding cover and shooting from cover but uh-huh. yeah it says you mount your gun onto the object different bits of equipment um but for the most it didn't take me too long it actually gives you a tutorial at the start so which i think is pretty good especially if you're kind of learning these new mechanics so do the tutorial they actually reward you for doing the tutorial and then, um, yeah, they just throw you into a game. You can have the option to run alone or just fill out a team, which is good. Mm-hmm. So if you don't feel like playing with randoms and just go for it yourself, which is good because especially if you're trying to get used to it, when you're with randoms and you can you can kind of feel a bit dragged. So if you're by yourself, it's like, okay, I'm dead, good, yeah, next game. Yeah. Can I ask, with how big are the squads for one? Like, is it four or six in a team? Um, I only ever got put with a team of three. 
Oh, it's, it's threes. God damn. So there is a lot of squads on there. I, I naturally assume because it's 150 in the in the world that they'd bump the squad count up. But I guess three three does go into 150, you know, 50 times. So there's going to be 50 mm. squads out there. So that's that's bonkers. And because of the inclusion of being able to bring people back from the dead, there's this really good um, element that they've added onto your interface where it's obviously you see how many people are still participating in the fight, like that are alive in the battle royale but there's also a little marker that tells you how many people are around so it's like so if you've got a friend that's on your team and they're dead but they're hanging on that kind of still lets you know that yeah there's this many people alive but those people can revive their teammates so the numbers can go back up again so i thought that was good that they actually paid attention to that because i'm sure it helps with certain people when it comes to strategically like planning you know, especially towards the end. What yeah, you, and, and what you I love expecting. I love that element that they've sort of incorporated into these battle royale games now. Like obviously, Apex was sort of the the first one that brought in the respawn opportunity where you can grab your, you know, pick up your enemies' tags or your, you know, digital tags and mm-hmm. take them back to a spawn point because it it makes you feel not as bad if you are that person that gets knocked straight off the bat or something like that. And you go, man, I've just queued for five minutes. I've played for 20 seconds and I'm dead or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of cool because it can turn the tide of a battle too, where you might be, you know, fighting your way through to the final 10 groups or whatever. And then you'd be able to bring back your third member. It adds a little bit more of a wrinkle to how you can go about things. So mm-hmm. I dig that one thing um, from sort of having a bit of a read up because I'm still yet to play. I want to try and get into it over the weekend. I like that there's no sort of like the inventory is really streamlined. You've got you've got pretty much two firearms at one time, and then like your, your ammo and your grenades. Mm-hmm. You don't have to manage like a big grid of items like as some of these other battle royale games where there is a yeah. lot of inventory management going on. Yeah, no, it's exactly right. Like, um, there's a lot of like fast keys too that just you know cycle through those kind of items. There were these actual like special items as well that you could have attached, and I'm still getting used to those and what like what abilities that they can grant you. Like some of them are just like enhancements, and others are like objects that you can physically use. So I'm still kind of getting used to those. But yeah, inventory is pretty good. Like what I can like I. The way that I can think about this and explain it to people that are maybe very familiar with the Battle Royale, like, genre, essentially, is if you remember, like, playing PUBG mm-hmm. and how, you know, you weren't restricted to certain characters, you didn't have to play certain supports, there's no building, it was just straight out, you load into a game, everyone's the same, you know, you only have your, like, all you have is your own ability to play yeah. and the luck of finding equipment. That's it. That's all. That's all you've got. Like, there's nothing about like, oh, you need a healer. Like, you, you know, like in Apex, you need a healer. You need this. You need that. Like, and then in Fortnite, you have the building elements. You know, where the inventory thing also becomes, you know, an issue where someone can box themselves up. Like, this, I feel like is it goes back to OG Battle Royale where you drop. It's all about in. that gunplay. Exactly right. Exactly right. It's all about the gunplay. So. And they do have different leveled um, items. So, you know, your rares, your commons and all that sort of stuff. So Yeah, yeah. And and the other thing I thought was pretty cool was um, with, with sort of these random um, loot drops or supply drops that pop in, mm-hmm. if you get to that, you can actually 
Uh, instead of it being an item in there, you can grab one of your existing loadouts from the main Call of Duty game. So if you've got a run and gun oh, class yeah. with a modded out SMG and certain perks, you can chuck that onto yourself to get that buff straight away. I think that's a really cool, fun way to do it because you're going to start looking like your character, you know, your perks, you got your guns with your skins and your charms on it. Like, I think that's yeah. a nice little touch. Yeah, and, and it's actually pretty good because it seems like they are rewarding players that were playing call it like playing this game before the battle royale was released so a lot of mm -hmm. those players would have had their battle passes all their cosmetic stuff that they would have earned so it seems like they haven't really you know tarnished them it seems like you've had a bit of a benefit if you've been playing it previously so all that stuff you've earned you know you get to stand out a little bit yeah have they um obviously it's free to play how's mm -hmm. the the back-end market store on the back of this is there like you know, purchasable uh, loot mm. crates and things already in there that they're, they're heavily trying to pump down your throat or? So all the cosmetic items are available to purchase. So um, they usually have like like sets. You'll you'll see it on the store page and they'll have certain sets. Um, I've got to tell you the Tamagotchi one has this, um, like this player's card where it's a purple dinosaur and it looks Ooh. like Craig. Goddamn, goddamn. Yeah, it's half. It's half as tempting. But the other thing is, is that it was pretty quick for them to push the battle pass onto me, just letting me know that like, hey, if, you know, you're already getting a bit of XP. If you do the battle pass, then, you know, you'll get exclusive items, double XPs and stuff yeah. like that. And I was like, I see what you're doing, yeah, Cod. a little wink, wink, nudge, nudge here. Yeah, I know what you're trying to do. And so I bought it. Um <laughs> <laughs> you got me. Yeah, got me. Um, it had a ghost skin. Um, ghost is a very popular character, apparently, from Call uh -huh. of Duty. I yep, don't yep. know him, but he looked cool. So I got him just purely for that. So um, I'm curious to see if this is going to translate into me just wanting to play, like, buy the actual game. Mate, the game's great. Like, I, I've really enjoyed my time with it so far and playing the multiplayer and what have you. Like, it's it's gorgeous. It's got a lot of polish massive big sort of set pieces everything you know and love from call of duty really and that modern warfare sort of offshoot from the franchise i think still probably my favorite to date modern warfare one and two and the stories and the characters you deal with so it's mm. tempting and i'd say the like i've seen it around um lately for like you know 30 40 bucks australian on a couple of crazy sales so you might be able to pick mm. it up for a steal possibly but i guess i would only be playing it for like pvp but then yeah. I think I'm getting all I need out of it by doing Battle Royale. Okay. Like, like I feel like that turnover time is fluent enough that I don't really need to seek additional kind of player. Especially like, with Animal Crossing coming out this week. Yeah, good luck. <clears throat> good, goodbye, Call of Duty Warzone. <laughs> exactly right. Goodbye, everything. Goodbye, games. Goodbye, life. Goodbye, friends, family. It's all gone. Mm-hmm. I um I'm I'll, we'll talk about it more in the upcoming release dates because I want to pick your brain a little bit on on uh, Animal Crossing because I'm in I'm in I'm buying day one but we'll talk about it later. Okay. So um yeah so Warzone it's it's got the got the Alley Heart rubber stamp of approval. You got to yeah. keep playing. You're loving it. You're recommending it. Definitely, and it's like I said, it's free. You don't mm -hmm. lose out. The downloads a bit, but like whatever. It's, it's like a forty free gig. Game. I think yeah. it's pretty sizable. Yeah. Yeah, it's sizable, but once you jump in there, you can kind of see why. Like I yeah. said, it just it feels like PUBG, but better. Yeah, it's, it looks like polished PUBG. Like PUBG's mm. pretty much got 
the largest maps thereabouts in the BR space and mm. there's just a lot of nothingness in those maps, but it seems like they've done well to try and populate and give you plenty of things to do and just the vehicle element as well to be able to traverse the landscape pretty quick. I think it's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Nice, nice. Been playing anything else? Looks like that's just all you got on the docket today. Oh, just, yeah, I've, really, like, I've been playing Minecraft, but who cares? Fair call, fair call. Minecraft's great though. It's I, great. I've I've uh, been sort of pushing through the the system override event with Apex is still going for another couple of days. So I've been trying mm-hmm. to get all that exclusive loot uh, and skins and all that stuff. You know, you know the the bug bites you and you've got the got the addiction going. So still very much in that Apex mode on the PC, but also started playing this past week the new Division Two expansion, Warlords of oh. New York. Um, it's good, but. I don't know if you feel this because I, I know you gave sort of Division 2 your game of the year last year. Mm-hmm. I just don't give a rat's ass about the story and the characters. And I think that's what grinds my gears the most. Like, do you I, feel that way at all? Like, because you play, you've played it a lot more than I have. And yeah. And you've got a lot more invested in this franchise than I do. Yeah, I, you know what? I would agree with you. Um, the first one had a great story and I followed that one along all the way. Um, so the second one, I was pretty compelled by the story at the start, but I might admit that like at some point there was, I think towards the middle end, um, I feel like there was just some kind of like change where like it either, either the gameplay became either like not too complex, but it just became more about like picking up certain items and just playing, like building up your character that you really didn't care about the story. Um, and, um, I actually did watch a few people play the new content, um, over on Twitch and there was parts where I saw certain characters. I'm like, I don't remember them. Yeah. So that's kind of bad. And that's where I'm at. Like, like Benny, I and Rach jumped on and we were sort of trucking around. The cool thing with the expansion is you can either choose to import your, your current level character, whatever that might be, or you can start fresh and they'll give you a character straight at level 30. So mm-hmm. you're pretty much pseudo max level to, with an asterisk because now it's been bumped to 40, but you're mm-hmm. going to be equipped enough to get out and fight these these higher level rogue agents and stuff like that so you're chasing aaron keener who's a former division agent he's gone bad and and he's assembled this group in new york and he's got sort of four four sort of generals i guess you could say with with different abilities and different different experiences you're not you're not sort of hamstrung into having to follow a certain path you don't have to go um you know general a b c d you can attack them in any order you like so depending on Hmm. what you what you're looking for off the start there's like a guy that's more sort of you know hackier and stealth and he's popping up little clones of himself there's like a heavy um artillery type of dude and so on and so forth so you've got four different experiences with the boss battles but to get to there it's the same kind of stuff go here find this bit of information shoot through a heap of dudes yeah. Get a couple of like low end bosses that are just bullet spongy as hell. Work your way through them. Go to the next place. Find this bit of info, and so on and so forth. Like it's, it's got its formula, and it's it's refined, and it's all right. Like the combat's good. Uh, being able to sort of have all your abilities and good good weaponry straight off the bat's great. So you do feel like you're doing, you you know you're doing good with your team and and making a difference. But there is just so many bullet sponge enemies again still, and it's oh really. It, yeah it's 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 a bit of a pain in the bum like i'm enjoying it like the gun plays tight the world itself is gorgeous like running around new york and these sort of sort of areas around brooklyn and whatnot 
uh, Manhattan, I should say, uh, is really, really nice. Really nice. Mm. Like the world is very, very well thought out. A lot of doggos running around. So and any any fans of the doggos, you're going to be meeting and patting a lot of dogs. Uh, Panning? They, yeah, yeah. Can pat dogs. <gasps> yep. So I don't know if that's a hook to get you back in. No, not that much. <laughs> yeah. So um, it's, it's pretty cool. But yeah, just... I'm a big narrative guy, so you know you've got your cut scenes and you meet these people and you interact with this person, but I just don't find myself caring, and that's the hard part for me. Like I enjoy the gunplay and I enjoy the teamwork aspects and the different ways you can play. You know, you can have your drones that can be um, set to almost like an attack style drone, or you can have ones mm-hmm. that can act as a healer and sort of uh, suppress enemies and things. So there's a lot of synergies which I really love, but. Yeah, just the narrative just doesn't get me. Like, I, I'd have no hook. So, like, we played it hard out over the weekend and then this past week barely touched it and been back playing Apex again. So, I don't know <laughs> if that's, I don't know if that's sort of, you know, a bad thing or it's just not scratching the itch that I'm looking for, but, yeah. I mean, like, it's fair. There's a lot of people that have had, like, I wouldn't say mix. I'd just say that across the board in regards to this con- new content for The Division, everyone's been kind of like, eh, about it, you know? Yeah. Um, I actually had a friend who had a bug on their, like, save or whatever where they actually couldn't proceed past a certain mission and they were absolutely stuck. So um, that would have that would have been really annoying for him because he did it day one. Um, yeah, yeah, that would have been the worst. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised to hear that um, characters are still kind of bullet spongy. Um, but then, again, like I guess it also could depend on your loadout. Um, my friend said he found them, you know, not bullet spongy at all. So, I've, I've found like at the back end of this playthrough, it's, it's all about just DPS that's like Uh, you don't worry like snipers and shotguns and whatever it's like yeah cool whatever but it's all about like just run lmgs or if you're getting in close submachine guns and mm -hmm. and that's the way to sort of eat through these these sort of uh armors and and health of these enemies um but it's, it's still it's enjoyable and i like that it is a multiplayer game you can jump on with with friends or whoever else and and sort of work your way through uh, New York and try and you know save the world as as you do in these games. So mm-hmm. I like that aspect of it, and I'll go back. But I don't know it it scratched a sh- like a loot shooter itch for me. But outside of that, there's just no no narrative hook that's got me excited. How much was the content? Like, how much is it? Um, the mainline story uh, I haven't finished it all yet, but the mainline story runs about six hours, and then off the back of that, you've got your dark zones and and your yeah. other things in your end game. So you know, to take down Keener and, he, and his four constituents, it's it's about six hours thereabouts from what from what mm. I'm seeing and, and reading. So, and we we got in about maybe three, three four hours thereabouts, give or take. So, enough okay. to get a good feeling of it. But yeah, it's just just not scratching beach right now. Maybe Animal oh, Crossing will this week. Oh, maybe. Ooh, oh yeah, it, it will. I'm just gonna tell everyone it will. Yeah, yeah. You are, yeah, number one fan, Tom yep. Nook's right hand woman. Yeah, that's more suitable. I know, like, I've seen some people out there and they're a bit more of a fan than I am. <laughs> to say they're crazy. Ah, oh, well, who needs them? All right, so uh, let's let's keep rocking and rolling. Quick little bit of housekeeping. Uh, obviously, hashtag AB Collective to find all the podcasts and content coming from all our talented uh, podcasters, content creators, and so on and so forth. Got new episodes dropping on the daily 
from 18 different podcasts covering a ton of video game and pop culture goodness. So it is all there, especially uh, now that you are having to self-isolate and things like that, you need to kill some time. So uh, mm-hmm. the 8 Collective or 8 or 8BitNation.net or if you've got a little bit of spare cheddar, uh, shop 8 to go to our official web store. Or if you want to support us in a Patreon form, patreon.com forward slash we are 8-bit for exclusive perks starting from as little as a dollar per month getting you early access to podcasts competitions and content you can't get anywhere else such as the 8-bit family portrait which is looking so juicy our man is currently working on the overall cityscape for where this is going to weave into the major like single group shot at the moment and we'll be releasing that in the next couple of days just to give you guys a teaser but we've got about half a dozen of the individuals done so far, Miss Hart saw you immortalize this past week looking yes. fresh. Can't wait. So excited to show everyone once we can. So it's great. Like if it's essentially like the best thing about this Patreon level is, is that you're essentially getting like a custom drawn character of yourself as one of your favorite characters, or maybe as a character you hate, I'm not going to judge, but either way, it's a, fantastically detailed design so the artist you've got on this one is uh absolute gold yeah matt's been knocking it out of the park uh very talented man and can't wait to work on future pieces with this guy once this is all done and dusted as well uh so be sure to uh, head on over to patreon.com forward slash we are 8-bit if you want in on that family portrait but yeah you don't need to support us monetarily you can do the little things like rate reviews subscribing to us and all the other podcasts you're listening to on iTunes, Spotify, whatever podcast hosting platform you consume us on, on the reg. Uh, but yeah, those ratings and reviews mean the world to us, helps keep those emotional lights on in our hearts. But let's get into some news. This week's news headlines. All right. So we're continuing with the whole this or that concept here because it has been a pretty good success. It allows the show to be almost become a choose your own adventure. Hang on, I'm going to cut in right here. Apparently, it wasn't a success. Oh, really? Shout out to Don on Twitter. <laughs> Not a fan? Yeah, he, uh, he, you know, he enjoyed the episode, but apparently I picked the wrong one. Oh, so, okay. So, uh, you got shamed for the wrong choice. I got shamed. Publicly well, shamed by Don on fair Twitter. Fair enough. Well, fear not, because we've taken the decisions out of our hands on this episode, and we've thrown it to the people, because we are the podcast of the people. And uh, the first this or that headline mock-up was Pokimane Dr. Disrespect signed multi-year Twitch exclusivity deals and uh, it was competing against Control's first big expansion, The Foundation, out later this month. And uh, it was actually won by Control. Uh, So it it took out 60% of the vote. I was not sure if people wanted to hear about Dr. Disrespect and (laughs) Pokimane. Uh, the short version of that is they're getting an absolute fuckload of money to stay on Twitch and uh, become millionaires. So uh, let's go on to that. Control's first big expansion, the foundation, out later this month. And this comes via way of Matt Wales at Eurogamer. Remedy will be delving deeper into the oldest house when the first of the game's two previously announced expansions, the foundation, arrives on 26th of March, which is in less than two weeks, which is pretty exciting. Since since detailing Control's post-launch event content roadmap late last year, Remedy has remained tantalizingly tight-lipped about the exact nature of its two expansions, revealing only that they'd both be set within the spatially unreliable confines of the oldest house and would introduce new story content, side missions, weapons, and mods. In the run-up to the Foundation's release later this month, however, those lips have finally loosened a fraction. 
The developer's brief new teaser video suggests the expansion will, at least in part, see protagonist Jessie Faden resuming her search for Helen Marshall, the Federal Bureau of Control's head of operations, following her rather abrupt departure in the base game. There's a pretty good chance, based on the expansion's title and accompanying artwork, that the quest will eventually lead us back to one of the oldest house's most striking locations, and perhaps, given the clues found in its depths, ruin more of its origins in the process. As for Control's second extension, titled Or, there's currently no release date beyond a vague mid-2020 window. We do, however, have an inkling of what's in store with its very familiar promotional artwork, not to mention that name, strongly suggesting players will be finally getting reacquainted with Remedy's much-loved Master of Horror, Alan Wake. Both expansions will be available to purchase separately or as part of Control's 1999 Euro Season Pass, or probably $10 million Australian Season Pass on Xbox One, PlayStation 4, and the Epic Store. So I'm excited for this. To be completely honest, I'd love to try and play this day one, but with everything coming out, this is on the back burner for me, like Animal Crossing, Doom, uh, Apex, Division 2, Warlords of New York, I still need to finish. And then next month, we've got Resident Evil and Final Fantasy VII Remake. So... Mm. Sadly, Control is going to be put, uh, you know, in in the back corner for me for now. Love the game. You know, one of my favorite games of last year. Won a bucket load of awards. What mm. do you think about this? Does this uh, little bit of DLC make you want to get in on this game? Especially with how cheap the game is itself these days. You can get it for next to nothing. How much is <clears> next <throat> to nothing, though? Um, I think I've seen it for as low as like 20 bucks US in some places. Mm. Look, this is going to be a case of someone talking about something they don't know much about, but it's purely impression for me. Control to this day still has me baffled on why it's such a popular game. Um, I have established that, like, I I obviously haven't played it, but I've just constantly watched people play it, and to me it looks absolutely boring. So for me, like, the f- I'm actually surprised that there was expansions for this. So God, I guess that's so like, many spicy hot takes this morning. Well, no, it's it's not even me trying to be sassy about the game. It's just I guess uh, based on an impression level, I guess. Yeah, um yeah. Like I, nothing about it really drew me into playing it. The fact that it won a bunch of awards still didn't make me want to play it. Um, I'm wondering what what would like. I'm wondering what it would take to convince me that this is a game that I had to play, but. Standing from the outside, I still have no desire to play this game. Mm. Fair call. That's that's justified. Like, um, I I know from an outsider's perspective, the game does look a little bit repetitive and kind of boring at times. I guess because a lot of the lot of the world you're running around is does have a similar aesthetic. The enemies uh, react pretty similarly through good parts of the game. Um, but I don't know. It was just, it was just cool. It just felt like I was playing an episode of the X-Files and I think I, okay. that's what got me. Like I'm a big sort of sci-fi thriller, sort of horror fanatic. So it was kind of cool because you don't see many games like that come out. You don't get that sort of dark sci-fi thriller mashup. Like you get sort of the more purest horror, uh, games mm. that pop up on the reg, but nothing in that vein. So I think that's why okay. it connected with me. I, I get what you're saying though. Like, just looking at it from from sort of trying to disconnect that I've I've played the game, and I could see I'm like oh it just you know, it looks like a generic uh, you know third person shooter almost you know mm. like it's 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 missing that hook unless I think you're all in or maybe in on that subgenre but yeah and I just 
a sidebar, I just also want to say that this isn't me saying this game is shit because I can't say the game is shit because I haven't played it, so I don't have that perspective. But this is more just me saying this doesn't appeal. Yeah, I just, just not for you. It, yeah, exactly. I just like I think sometimes people mistaken a person's preference to um, saying that they hate something. Yeah, and saying that the the you know projecting that a game is shit to them. But it, I just want to clarify that I'm just saying it doesn't look like it's for me. I'm not saying it's a shit game. It's won a bunch of awards, so you know it clearly isn't. But I just don't think it's for me. It's just not a miss heart game. That's fair enough. Because uh, a Miss Heart game, as as we've said a few times now, is coming out in uh, like six days' time. So uh, exactly. get excited. All right, on to the, the next this or that news segment. This. Lego Super Mario isn't your traditional toy set. Or that. Call of Duty Warzone has over 6 million players 24 hours after launch. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that news headline probably covers exactly what that article's about, and we can probably close that off with a bow anyway. But uh, yeah, the the listeners, they went with Lego Super Mario. So in a new video released earlier this week, you can spot power and Bluetooth buttons on Mario's back, meaning Mario can interact with the environment to set off countdown timers, stomp on blocks, and collect coins. The press release describes it as neither a video game nor a traditional Lego brick-based set, allowing kids and adults to create their own real-life game levels created with Lego bricks. The new product that we developed together with the Lego group combines two different different ways of playing with each other, said Nintendo exec Takahashi Tezuka. On the, on the one hand, the world of Mario can be built and designed completely freely. On the other hand, you can play with Mario in exactly this self-created world. In an interview with IGN, digital design lead Jonathan Benick explained the goal is to grab enough coins before the time runs out with Mario collecting coins by attacking enemies and losing them by spending too much time in lava. Builders can play around with the order in which Mario encounters challenges such as as the rotating section and piranha plants seen in the video. And you just can't skip everything by moving Mario to the end of the level as the bricks have special activation points which interact with Mario. As of yet, there's no word on how much their sets will cost, but the line is due to launch sometime later this year. Hopefully, that'll give me time. Uh, that'll give me time to clear some space for storing all these under the bed. I don't have mushroom. That f- end of that uh, end of that statement there from Eurogame was very interesting. But what do you think of this set? It is it is quirky. It is very different. It is very unlike Lego that I've seen before. Just to clarify, that was meant to be a play play on words. He doesn't have mushroom. Oh, that we completely go. went over my head. <laughs> completely, went, I'm like, why would you want the mushroom? Because that would make things bigger. Maybe it wants an extra life. Okay, yeah. Thank you for that because I completely missed that boat. I was a fan of dad jokes. I got it straight away. This looks fantastic. It's absolutely adorable. The design, like, usually sometimes when things translate to Lego, it just feels off. It just feels a little bit off-brand and that they really you know usually try to reach to make a connection usually yeah. between like movies franchises with lego but this is they the design work is fantastic it's absolutely adorable um the interactive little mario lego mario is just so cute with his like mm-hmm. moving eyes and his interactive plate and as well as making sounds um the way that this looked to me, it's like Lego mixed Mario mixed like kind of like a board game. It had that vibe of like almost like mousetrap, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. I can yeah. see that. <laughs> yeah. So um, 
this really did we know that they had a collaboration because i felt like this just kind of they did that initial like teaser announcement like earlier this week yeah and that was it and then it was just like bam look at this cute ass shit we've been doing so um probably definitely going to be buying this uh i appreciate that they said kids and adults because let's get serious it's gonna be majority adults buying. 100 percent, 100 percent like I'm I'm uh, I'm pretty embedded in the the Lego community these days. Like I, yes, uh, you, are. you know, I I do my digging and my research, and and yeah, I hadn't seen anything about this sort of circulating around the channels. Uh, it was just that yeah, that first teaser, and then like two days later or whatever, they popped this video out and, and sort of showed this set in 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 motion, and it's so cute and it is very unique. Uh, as you said, and because it does have those interactive elements, like there's power and Bluetooth buttons. So there mm-hmm. is that interactivity in there. And, and I like that you can create levels and then set scores and points off those. So it does mm-hmm. give that repeat use uh, as opposed to a lot of these other Lego sets. You build them and, and the experience of Lego, I think is that build. And then once it's once it's done, it's on the shelf. Like I finally finished my Jurassic Park set last night and I reckon there's easy easy 10 plus hours of build time in that thing it took me like it was it was a hell of a build uh but it is phenomenal i love me some good lego sets and this one looks like it's it's very true to the nintendo brand but very true to the lego brand and they've just merged Mm. it perfectly um so yeah i'm buying this sucker day one i kind of hope though like based on like what you just said where lego is majority about building like these wonderful elaborate kind of like buildings or structures or statues or whatever i hope this kind of opens the door for maybe a more like a bigger collaboration in which you can build like really detailed levels like as opposed to because this just seems to be like little micro platforms like very very small like small like references Mm -hmm. like nothing no bigger than like a school you know squared kind of platform so i'm hoping for something much more bigger and elaborate where you can build environments and like like castles and whatnot because that'd be great it'd be so great like i love that you see like a little yoshi in there and a bowser jr and stuff as well Mm -hmm. Uh, so yeah i think I think off based off the back of obviously the the sales this thing may or may not generate will potentially lead it to making multiple worlds and and larger larger universes for your little Mario and no doubt Luigi and Toad and and Peach characters that'll probably follow to come along as well but oh it's God, so cute. It's so cute. How much do you think it's going to be? I'm thinking 100 bucks. It doesn't look like to me that you're going to get a whole kit. Something about it looks like you get like sections to me. Oh, that wouldn't surprise me. That's dirty. Yeah, like maybe you can get a like an entire kit, but then I something about it just looks like that you have you can just buy segments. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. it would probably cost like twenty bucks for like a segment, but like kind of like what you said, maybe for the whole thing, it's probably like a hundred. Yeah, but you know what? I'd pony up a hundred bucks because I like wasting money <laughs> and I like cool Lego yeah like and yeah like the lego thing to me is always a bit iffy because it's like once you build it like that's it it's a glorified statue like it's a you know action figure kind of looking thing sitting there just doing not much so this kind of like gameplay like board game i guess kind of play that comes with it is good gives it a bit more longevity and and i think you nailed it there like if they do go down that route where if they yeah bring out a, a Luigi character too, so then you can compete against your friends to try and get some more repetition and use of the game, and who can get the highest score or the most coins. Um, I I think that'll 
get a lot more repeat business out of it as opposed to yeah, just a static piece of art almost on the shelf is what it ends up becoming. So Yeah. Yeah, but I'm excited. I think that's cute. More of that stuff, please, Lego and Nintendo. Yeah. Maybe we'll see a, a Sonic Lego crossover off the back of the film success. Who knows? I feel like they should like link that up with like marbles more than anything. Oh yeah. Because he does become a ball do... when he's, you know, spinning exactly. really fast. Yeah. You can like mix it with uh like marbles and micro machines with all those like loops and everything. <laughs> Damn. Damn, that's that's something. I randomly stumbled across uh, like I can't remember what it was called. It was almost like the Mar- uh, Marble World Championships the other day on YouTube, and what? holy moly, it is it's intense. Give it a look. <laughs> How did you get there? I one of the guys I listened to the No Dunks podcast, which is an NBA theme podcast, and um, the one the host was talking about that he was watching. I'm like I need to check this out. He's he sold me the dream here. And uh, I jumped on YouTube and checked out a little bit of it as well. And it is bonkers. Um, I love these random, really bespoke things that are just, you know, in reality, you tell anybody, you're like, oh, that's going to be the dumbest shit. And then you watch it like, this is so fucking cool. I'm so invested. Yeah. 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 All about it. All about it. I uh, also started watching Better Call Soul finally. Uh, I'm really late to the boat on that one. No, I don't worry. I'm further behind you i still haven't watched it i didn't watch breaking bad so i don't have that connection damn never yeah never God. and it got spoiled for me so i kind of like uh, ah shouldn't watch it that sucks but you know what doesn't suck this next this or that news battle royale news off fight to the death to get showcased here on the hunger gamers i don't even know where i'm going with this working title <laughs> this headline city project red already working on a new single player witcher game or that games industry raised over 4.5 million dollars for Australian bushfire relief and full disclosure this ended in a draw so we're going to cover off both of these and i'll start mm-hmm. with that uh so this comes by way of james bachelor at gamesindustry.biz according to gamesindustry.biz calculations the total raise for australian bushfire relief is more than 4.52 million dollars across 12 initiatives the biggest earners were the 25 dollar humble bundle humble bundle which raised 2.4 million dollars and the call of duty outback relief dlc which generated 1.6 million dollars the largest single donation came from sony foundation australia which pledged two hundred thousand dollars the company raised an additional $12,651 with its live streaming event, plus over $5,000 from staff donations. So it's just a feel-good little story, that. I think it's great to Ooh. see the, the industry come together and do some good. You know, we talk so much about the negativity and the shit and the drama in this game space. It's nice to see all that get pushed aside for these real-world problems and, and people to become bigger than the other crap and unite for a common cause. So what do you reckon? Yeah, no, I totally agree with you on that sentiment. Um, I'm inc- actually incredibly impressed by the biggest like earners were Humble Bundle. Humble Bundle is just a great um, system and cause in itself that, um, you know, every month you get a bunch of different games after paying like a, a certain subscription fee or a certain amount, really. But the fact that they raised $2.4 million, uh, is incredible. Yeah, that's it's such no a big joke. amount and have such an impact so um yeah that's awesome and or, like even after you know the cause always check out humble bundle because you know buying games with a bit of a bit of a heart behind it so 100 percent, 100 percent. i i love me some humble bundle it's so great the cool <laughs> thing with it too is 
you can pay what you want. So obviously they tier off. You can pay in full and, and get everything in that bundle per month or the monthly bundle. Or if you only want the first couple of games, you can pay 10% of the total value or whatever it is to get to that tier. It's it's a great concept um, and, and it gets you access to some really good quality games. Yeah, they're ne- like they're not shitty games. And it's it's also great because I like I've personally received the benefits from it where you will find out that like, you'll have a game that you didn't know you had because mm-hmm. you already paid for Humble Bundle. It's like, oh, no, I do have that game. Or if you double up, then you're like the best friend ever and then you just give your friend the free game because you you doubled up. Yeah, yeah. My Steam library grows exponentially because of uh, mm. Humble Bundle. There's a lot of games I'll never play, which is a shame because there's games in there that are worth worth the time. But time poorness is something, obviously, we talk about here on, on the Reg and yeah. It's that, but no, nice work everyone involved in raising that cash for the bushfire relief, which is something that barely gets talked about over here anymore, obviously, because we've got uh, the coronavirus and things like that occurring, but it's good to see people come together in this game space and, as I said, put those egos and melodramas aside and do -hmm. some good. All right. And the last uh, this or that headline, this was the co-winner with uh, that charity and uh, bushfire fundraising lease number. City Project Red already working on a new single-player Witcher game. And uh, this comes by way of Eurogamer. City Project Red CEO Adam Kaczynski has said the company is already working on a single-player game to follow Cyberpunk 2077, which will be released this coming September. Extremely excited for that. It will not be The Witcher 4, he clarified, but it may be a Witcher game. We've been working on a, on a next single-player game already, creating a clear concept that waits for further development. Kaczynski told financial types at a Polish conference. So this has all been translated from the the native tongue into English. So apologies in advance for any potential uh, weird translation wording here. It's already working, but we don't want to commit to it yet. We'll start working on this game right after Cyberpunk. I already said there'll be no Witcher 4. I clearly said that Witcher was a trilogy. Simultaneously, we've always emphasized that we want to create Witcher games and the agreement with Mr. Sapkowski confirmed our rights. The agreement he referred to was the deal City Project Red signed with Witcher creative Andrzej Sapkowski in December, heralding a new era of cooperation between the game maker and book writer. One could venture to say the situation changed by 180 degrees and we cemented relations with Mr. Sapkowski, said Kaczynski at the financial event. Not only on paper, we're cooperating. Sapkowski famously bungled his original deal with CD Projekt, taking a lump sum for the game rights instead of a percentage of the royalties. A decision he sorely regretted when the Witcher game series exploded following the release of The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. But he got another shot at making his millions when Netflix bought the rights for The Witcher TV series, which has done very well. Geralt and Powell's a hotter property than ever. We have two worlds, and we want to create games in those two worlds, added Kaczynski. That's why all planned games, either Witcher or Cyberpunk. Assuming CD Projekt Red's next game is a Witcher game, and it's not The Witcher 4, then what could it be? A prequel? A game set before the events of The Witcher trilogy? Perhaps long before? Or is there a time when there were... As, is there a time when there were many witches, similar to how there were once many Jedi in Star Wars? Could we be creating our own Witcher instead of becoming Geralt again? But would it be wise, giving his current popularity, to leave him behind? Maybe you could play a young Geralt, making his name instead, or play alongside Geralt. He ha- he has a presence in the game, but not who we control. Maybe we could be boys going through the trial of grasses together. Many ideas have been explored at CD Projekt Red, but get hyped because we've got more Witcher coming. 
What do you reckon about this? Mm. I mean, it's kind of interesting, especially with cyberpunks, like like how long it got pushed back and how continually it got pushed back. And then the fact that it still hasn't been released, it, it got pushed back. And they're already like, oh, yeah, we're already thinking about another game after cyberpunk. It's like, mm, how about you get a game out first yeah. and then think about the next one? Um, but in regards to the franchise and just how much like fans can be excited knowing knowing that they're getting a, a Witcher game in the, the Witcher universe, but quite possibly... Would they call it? They'd still have to call it The Witcher, right? I think so, because that that's sort of the that group of people, like the the monster hunters and, and whatnot. They are witches, so it's not mm. tied specifically to Geralt. There's there's a ton of witches, and you meet a few of them, obviously, in in the current trilogy. But um, mm. I think it's interesting that uh, Kaczynski, where he, where he has that quote where he says, "We have two worlds, and we want to create games in those two worlds." So they're just pretty much doubling down and saying. We're making cyberpunk style games. We're making witcher style games. They're the universes mm. we're going to populate for now until the foreseeable future. So I think that's cool because obviously we haven't played any cyberpunk yet, but it looks brilliant and the witcher yeah. is brilliant. So, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, I guess. Right. That's true. It's very true. But like to say that they're going, they've got the two worlds. Um, it may like, it makes sense to have the witcher universe, but then why would you um, do Witcher from, like, a, another perspective when, like, you know, you've played as a Witcher yourself. You can only assume that you'd be doing much of the same. So, you know, these ideas where it was like, okay, maybe we're still going to be um, – I always say his name wrong. Geralt? Geralt. Geralt. Yeah. Um, he, maybe his earlier – like, earlier days, it would make sense. But, like, playing as a different Witcher – yeah, like, like like you do you do play a Siri here and there in the in the trilogy well, in certain yeah. parts, but I get what you're saying because he is the face of that franchise, so it could mm. potentially be a little bit jarring, and even more so now with obviously the success of the the Netflix show. So it's a risk mm. maybe going away from Geralt completely, but I don't mind if maybe they do do a bit of a time jump way back in the past, unearth some more history and some more lore and and sort of dive deeper on that whole Witcher, Witcher lifestyle and whatnot. I think that could be kind of cool. It might be interesting to like base it around like when the need for witches was first established. Mm. That could be a very like, like an interesting angle, I assume. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe we, we end up playing as sort of like a, like a, a witch instead, you know, you start playing as, you know, a, a Yennefer equivalent or a Triss equivalent or something like that. Like not those exact characters, but someone in that in that world uh, several years back. So mm. you get a different different dynamic then, as opposed to sword play. It's more so about sorcery and spellcasting. So mm. I don't know. I mean, regardless, I guess of like story, um, they've proven themselves to be able to build a fantastic game. So I mean, I'm sure whatever it is, it's still going to be fun to play. Yeah, and, and you, I guess you kind of feel good slash, I don't know, a bit frustrated that old Sapkowski, he, he was, you know, carrying on and getting the shits because he did take the wrong deal initially with The Witcher when he sold the rights to CD Projekt Red for the games uh, as opposed to doing sort of a, a a split of the profits and the royalties. But yeah, they've they've made, they've uh, you know, mended, that, mended that bridge and, and made friends again and 
maybe he's going to sort of work as an in an advisory role and or maybe like coin a story specifically for it who knows that's true actually it's funny how you're able to see eye to eye when you know you get what you feel is your worth uh, yeah <laughs> sitting there in your expensive house or whatever he bought with his uh netflix money so um it, i agree it was a bit petty i'm sorry but that's how business works yeah, you, you made you, the you deal know. mate yeah but you know work together create something beautiful mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah, a rising tide raises many ships, as they say. So old timely. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I'm an old soul. All right, so that is the end of this or that. And the the last sort of thing we wanted to bring to the table, obviously, on the back of plenty of closures and cancellations, the entire world at the moment is is closing its doors, for lack of a better term. Like we saw uh, GDC South by Southwest get cancelled, and this past week E3 was officially cancelled for 2020 uh, from a physical event perspective uh, off the back of the fear of the coronavirus or COVID-19. They have already come out and uh, confirmed that they're going to be coordinating an online experience to showcase industry announcements and news in June 2020. So they are still sticking around that June 2020 date because if my memory serves, it's the second week of June typically uh, that E3, uh, at least E3 2020 was scheduled to run in. Uh, but yeah, physically, E3 is done and dusted for this year. Everything is shifting towards digital. Uh, Microsoft and Ubisoft have already announced plans for digital events after the cancellation for E3 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, but <clears throat> before, I guess we took talk about in a broad stroke point of view, do you think this is the beginning of the end for E3? It, it possibly could be. I mean... I know we talked about it last um, last <coughs> week, but I mean, this this seems more like a convenient um, way out for them. the The press that came with like the lead up towards E three with Jeff Keighley just busting out, and then um, the the eight bit group, I am eight bit. Yep, yep. They them kind of like leaving in a weird way as well. Um, it just to me just seems like that they just took an option out like they just went you know what let's you know it's the talk like everyone's talking about it people are kind of speculating let's just go with it and Mm. you know refresh one thing that came up with the discussion in regards to e3 was some someone kind of released what their um, plan was for e3 2020 which they specified an event that is for fans media and influencers yeah so I'm I'm wondering if like because it's it's not sure to say that E3 is completely different to what it first was meant to be. Um, I mean, tickets selling tickets making the money at a premium like a more... too. Those tickets were not cheap. No, so I mean, to say that like it's it's completely different now, and they just keep on evolving on it, like. The worst thing that could happen, and it's a possibility, is if these um, companies that would normally showcase their stuff at E3, if they do these exclusive events just in-house and they have just as a success rate within like sales and interaction and like just markability, they're going to say, we don't need E3. I I think that's going to happen and like sort of what you first touched on there where how they're trying to to retool e3 it sounds like they're just trying to become packs like yeah it's trying to be this this all-encompassing general population or general public media content creator 
sort of, uh, you know, blender of an event. And, and PAX is mm-hmm. great. And they, they nail it like Reed Pop and everyone involved there do a phenomenal job uh, with the PACs here in Australia and obviously the the multiple PACs around the US and around the globe. Um, you know, Ooh. so shout out to those guys. But yeah, I think I think E3 as we know it is certainly heading towards the exit door because as you said, I think these digital events uh, is, is going to be the future. Like you're already seeing it with the Nintendo Directs and the the Xbox events and the, the PlayStation updates and all these things. Like you're seeing that shift actively already and now seeing you know xbox this was going to be their big coming out party with the series x and especially with sony not not present at e3 this year they were going to come out and probably roll like pull out all the stops to try and get the hype for the series x but now they're shifting it to a digital footprint it's going to cost them less money um you know they don't have to fly staff all across the country in the world to be in los angeles for that week or two (coughs) excuse me but yeah i think I think E3 is just uh, hanging on by the skin of its teeth. But luckily, I think, yeah, Corona gave them that out because they weren't really seen in a good regard off the back of the leaks and charging mm-hmm. tickets and opening up to the public and all these other other things. So the fact that they can sort of yield and go, yeah, we're out this year. We're going to be back and uh, for a per- like a great experience next year and blah, 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 blah. It does give them a bit of a get out of jail free card for this year, I think. Yeah. But at what cost with all these other developers or publishers going digital, they're just going to probably see the benefit in being able to control the message. Uh, with Microsoft, for example, that they'll probably park this thing on, on Mixer, get all these eyes to Mixer um, for their for their conference in, in June just to you know potentially boost those numbers up and get people talking and maybe park on, on that platform moving forward. So yeah. it's a whole ripple effect, I think. It really is. Um, I also kind of just want to ask, do I get a technicality on winning for my uh, one of my hot takes at the start of this year by saying that all <laughs> developers would go online? I want to say I knew nothing about the coronavirus doing this. It was more just a speculation that I just feel like sometimes that's the way to go. Who do you know in jab. Wuhan? Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> I also want to kind of give a like side note that um it's something that i've been trying to follow and stay on top of is um uh, even though like big developers are kind can and have the opportunity to release and showcase their content through in-house um i'm seeing a lot of sadness um across the indie um indie developers because they actually do heavily depend on e3 and getting their like eyes on their games um they do not have access to you know streaming services and high budgeted video content and you know getting the information out there that they're going to stream about their game like e3 was a good way for them to get organic eyes onto their products Mm so um indie developers are probably the ones that are being affected the most by this yeah which is very sad to see because yeah their 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 game or their product lives and dies off these types of events like gdc Mm. was a big networking event and then e3 as well but Hearing all these sort of shifts to digital, I think there will be some some sort of life rafts thrown to some of those indie developers. Like kind of funny, look like they're going to be doing their showcase again, which was primarily indie oriented. So um, that mm-hmm. might ha- that'll happen. Uh, Xbox might grab a couple of indie games that they're going to be uh, sort of releasing on their platform as well to get a little bit extra coverage. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully not too many of those studios encounter too much hard time on the back of this and can still see some success and get their message out. But yeah, just the 
that flow on from whether it be those indie developers, the people that work that event at the LA convention center, you know, the, the caterers, the, the security, the, front of house the the merch uh sales all those people like that rely on on that income over that sort of week or so period you know this this alone plus with all these other public closures and and enforcements getting thrown around like there is going to be a lot of blowback a lot of people worried about their you know professional futures and where the where the next paycheck's coming in from at the moment like yeah it's happening across everything like you've seen across the United States now, all professional sports have just had, you know, the broom swept through the joint. Like the NBA's on hiatus, yeah. NHL's on hiatus, MLB's been delayed now, the NCAA March Madness tournament, which is just mm-hmm. about the biggest sporting event in of the calendar year, has been canned completely. Uh here in Australia, the Formula One uh that was it was meant to be Australian Formula One this past weekend, uh has been canned. The NRL is still going, which is weird and the AFL like Old Scott Morrison is so tone deaf. Yeah, there's public bannings from Monday, but this week, this weekend, it's like, yeah, go, go support your teams and go to these stadiums with tens green. of thousands of people. But from Monday, get away. It's like, mate, the virus doesn't wait. Green. That's just straight out green. But then people aren't going to go. Oh, people went. Like, people went. Like, Are you serious? Yeah. Like there was 25,000 people at the new opening last night at the new stadium up in Townsville. Uh, for the North Queensland Cowboys, 25,000 people there. Uh, Thursday night was the Bulldogs-Eels game. There was about the same number there too. So these are just melting pots for these these viruses to to contaminate and just multiply through through general population. So it's so fucking dumb. Look, I know like everyone listening is probably like sick and tired of hearing about coronavirus and you know all the bullshit that surrounds it. All I'm going to say is just get yourself like the tiniest bit educated on seeing what the effects of you know reducing, you know, the the sharing. The essentially like yeah, you're not going to get sick, but you know, you still could be carrying and then transfer it onto someone that yeah. might not be so successful. You know, it's kind of like the whole um you know, vaccine, like, you know, getting like vaccination and how by making, you know, reducing the risk, you save people who aren't able to fight it off as well. Mm -hmm. So just educate yourself a little bit. I know everyone's kind of sick of it because it's just main, you know, right in your face news at the moment, but just educate yourself a little bit on it because hearing that a bunch of fucking people went to a stadium. And there's more games like this weekend. There's another, what, five five or so NRL games this weekend where public are allowed in. There's going to be tens of thousands of people at these games cheering, coughing, spluttering and whatever else. Like it is so stupid. Like Scott Morrison, he even like up until yesterday was like, yeah, I'm going to watch my beloved Cronulla Sharks on the weekend. I'm going to the game. But then obviously off the back backlash that he's like, I'm not going to the game anymore. But it's like, well, you're still allowing the rest of Australia to go if they want to. Businesses are shutting down. Like businesses are closing over here, over here across the pond. Like people are working from home. That's yeah. how seriously they're taking it here. Oh my lord! It's so tone deaf over here. Like we've been proactive in getting test centers and getting the hospitals and things staffed, but then you shit like this where there's clearly money benefits that are in play here, overruling the health and safety of of the country so i mean don't get me wrong that's also yeah. the case here but you know <laughs> yeah but like yeah. you saw the new fast and furious movie get delayed a whole year yeah what 
<laughs> like 12 months down the line, like 2021, that's out now. So um, obviously they're, they're very concerned about the family, which is good to see. So, you know, family comes first. So I don't think that's technically it. Wouldn't they just be that they would release to a bad Oh, no, like I was like, I was like, oh, okay. Wicked face. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Just like the Sorry. don't have mushroom that went over my head before. Oh. <laughs> right, right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like they're, they're curious. They're, they're definitely concerned about the, the bottom dollar here. Like A Quiet Place 2 has been put on the shelf indefinitely. Mulan as well. And The New Mutants, which has been in production and release hell for years <sighs> anyway. Has it come out yet? Yeah. Um, also, because the James Bond movie got pushed back. Oh, yeah, that too. Yeah. Yeah. But they just, it's still this year though, right? It's still this year. I think it's been pushed to like October, if I remember right, for the James mm. Bond film. But like even even I Benny don't... and Dane, they're going to watch the My Hero Academia movie tomorrow. And uh, I'd really love to go, but I'm like, I ain't going, man. I'm not going to the cinema and sitting in there because I've seen a lot of people turn out for these, these uh, My Hero Academia releases because... They're limited runs, so you've only got one or two chances to check it in the cinema. And I'm not sitting in there with several hundred people coughing and spluttering and whatever else. I'm like, I'm out. Mm-hmm. Sorry, guys. I love yous, but I'm not coming. Yeah. Yeah. I'm staying home because it's not safe out there. It's a dark world we live in. But yeah, yeah, just as you said, just you know, use common sense. Be smart about it. Wash your damn hands. Keep some hand sanitizer in your car. Keep some on your desk in your purse, whatever it might be. Just just be smart. You know, if you're coughing, cough into a hanky or into your arm. Don't be don't be spreading your germs. Just be mindful of what you're doing. Be mindful of what you're touching. And uh, yeah, just common sense. That's the big thing here, I think. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, new releases. We won't go through all the new releases coming. I think we'll just talk on a couple of notable ones here. One that sells gangbusters every year, Sony exclusive. MLB The Show comes out on... March 17th. The Division 2 lands on Google Stadia on March 17th. Yeesh. The big ones here, though. Doom Eternal, Animal Crossing, March the 20th. Oh, my God. The hype is real. Never played an Animal Crossing game, but I'm excited to get into New Horizons. Can I ask you with Animal Crossing, right? Like, can multi- like is it multiplayer? How many people yeah. can you have in your little cool. township? Four? Yeah, so um, with the multiplayer element, I think this is the first time that you've actually been able to have such a big party. So you can have exclusive people that are allowed to be at your island. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's a group of four. That's the maximum. There's someone that's usually the head of the party. Okay. And, you know, you can go and visit your museum. You can, you know, all like, you know, chop wood, collect fruit, go hang out with certain, you know, villages i don't know if they're going to be called villages in this game but you know all the different little animals that will come and visit your island Mm -hmm. it sounds good and and those those other three party mates they can build and do whatever they want they aren't limited to just viewing or Uh, that's actually a good question i don't know if they're allowed to build i think i've actually seen on some of the um content that's been released that they can build but you know obviously people are gonna have like some people might want to have some certain rules on their island because it, if if people can manipulate it, uh, like then you might want to you know have some restrictions, some yeah. shovel restrictions. I, I, gu- I guess you'd be able to probably lock it down to your to your preference. I'm assuming there'd be some settings in the in the options menu where you can choose what these other other visitors can or can't do. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ho- hopefully, or else I'm not going to let a lot of people on my island. I'm so excited. Uh- <laughs> I'm so excited. Um, gonna gonna get Rachel a switch light to a company and we're going to jump on and play some animal crossing. Uh, but now that coral one came out and it's not out until like this time next month. So it's like, mm. I can't wait. Just got to get, uh, maybe the, Should've gotten the, animal the, crossing the teal one. one, teal or yellow. I think is where we're going. Yellow is nice. I'm actually, I really enjoy the color of yellow. It's not, off, not off putting, not too bright. No, no. It's sort of got a little bit of a mustard tone to it, which, uh, which I'm digging. Like Very it's mild. Yeah. Yeah. Mild yellow. But yeah, that's coming out. Obviously, yeah, Doom Eternal is dropping as well on March 20th, the same date as Animal Crossing New Horizons. I am keen as a bean for more Doom Slayer action. Uh, the collector's mm-hmm. edition, if anyone hasn't seen it, looks brilliant. The helmet uh, on its own is a work of art. And then uh, another game that comes out this coming week, Half-Life Alex, dropping on the PC, obviously uh, virtual reality exclusive on the 23rd of March. So I've ordered my cable to turn my Oculus Quest into a wired VR machine capable of running Half-Life Alex. So I'm excited to get in and play this game because Ooh. from all reports of early early access and early reviews and previews, this game is something special. So I cannot wait for a, a large immersive VR experience because my VR headsets have just been gathering dust for the last six months and it pains me to say that. No kidding. There's stuff out there, but... Oh, there's just, tons out just, there, yeah. Just haven't been finding the time, you know? Yeah. Life and Corona and whatever else you want to throw in the way has just been getting there. So, uh, yeah, but three big releases. There's there's a good dozen or so games coming out this, this coming week, but I think those three big ones, obviously Half-Life Alex on the 23rd, Doom Eternal and Animal Crossing New Horizons on the 20th. And if you're a baseball fan, obviously MLB The Show 20, PlayStation 4 exclusive on March the 17th. But this has been The Hungry Gamers episode 186. Miss Hart, anything you want to say before we close this down for another week? No, I just, you know, as soon as Animal Crossing comes out, I'm, I apologize. But, I mean, the majority of the time, I am going to be fucking talking about Animal Crossing. I don't know if you want me to, you know, in the next few weeks to um, actually do like a diary log of like everything that's happening or... That's all I'm going to play. I love I'm that. Sorry, I love it. Animal Crossing, Captain's Log, Entry 5. <laughs> <laughs> Today I did this with Tom Nook. Motherfucker stole my peaches. <laughs> Not my peaches. <laughs> but Not yeah, peaches. so uh, episode 187 coming at you next week. Uh, very excited to uh, yeah bring you some news and reviews and all that other hot stuff next week. Our feedback uh, from being on the ground floor of Doom Eternal as well as Animal Crossing New Horizons, plus usual smattering of news and infotainment. But yeah, be sure to rate, resubscribe us and all the other podcasts on your podcast hosting platform of choice because it means the world. When you're done doing that, head on over to audiotechnica.com or audiotechnica.com.au to get yourself some tasty, tasty audio-based equipment. We're talking headphones, microphones, turntables. We're talking in-ear headphones. We're talking over-ear headphones. We're talking gaming headsets. Everything you need audio-based, whether it be gaming, content creating, or streetwear, it is there, and uh, it's the best in the biz. So audiotechnica.com or audiotechnica.com.au. But until next week, Happy Nation, much love. Stay hungry. Wash those hands.
You've been listening to The Hungry Gamers, one of many gaming and geek culture-related podcasts from the 8-Bit Collective over on 8-Bit.net. Check out more episodes on your podcast service of choice. And while you're there, please be sure to rate and subscribe. Until next time, boys and girls, stay hungry. Thank you.